the main thing that you have to know with A-B testing is what result you're hoping for. Like, are you hoping this will increase conversions? Are you hoping this will increase people watching the video? Just like with an email subject line, right? You're hoping this will increase the opens to the email. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. My name is Femke. And my name is Charlie. Today, we're going to be talking about A-B testing, which I promise you is much more interesting than it sounds. It's something that I've come to really enjoy being able to do over the past few years as I've worked at companies that have, you know, had the resources for running A-B tests and had people to help me out with it as well. Uh, basically, it means you can hypothesize and test different designs and see which one actually performs better and it helps, you know, data inform your design decision making. So this is what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, but first, it's been a while actually since Femke and I recorded an episode. And so we've got a lot to catch up on, I'm sure. Sure, yeah. How are things going, Fem? How's life? How's work? How's side projects? It's good. How's running? Run- <laughs> yeah, running is going really well. So I completed my Couch to 5K program, which was an eight-week program getting me from Couch to 5K, I guess, <laughs> uh, which is really awesome. And like at the end of the eight weeks, I participated in a run race, I guess. I don't really know what you call them, like event. A running race. A running yeah. event. Yeah, which was super cool uh, with some of my colleagues. They signed me up for it when they saw that I was running. So I didn't have much of a choice, but it was a really nice way to kind of end off the whole 5k training program. And yeah, it went like surprisingly well. I finished in just under 30 minutes, which was super cool. I think I was like the fifth or eighth, eighth woman across the line out of like total of 70 people. So Fem, that's amazing. Yeah, it was, I, I surprised myself for sure. So yeah, that gave me a little like boost of extra motivation. Now I'm training to get to 10K and I'm doing like a five mile, which I still haven't figured out how many kilometers that is. I think it's like eight uh, race at the end of September. So I've got a little while to get there. I'm sure I'll get there, but yeah, I have kind of surprised myself at this new hobby slash sport that I started doing a couple months ago. Yes, who knew that you had all this running talent just hiding away? Oh, stop. I wouldn't call it talent, but <laughs> it has been really fun. Uh, so that's been good. It's been, yeah, I don't know. Every morning of the week now, except for the days we record the podcast, I do some form of exercise. So whether it's yoga or running and I don't know, I, I feel like that has given me a lot more energy throughout the day at work and when I'm working on my side projects and things like that. So I don't know, it's been a nice like mini lifestyle change for me, especially at this time of year with the good weather, you know, like it's easier to get out there than if it's cold and wet. Uh, So yeah, that's going well. Work is pretty busy all of a sudden. Uh, I was kind of like hoping that during the summer months it would quieten down a little bit, you know, people go on vacation and I was thinking, oh, maybe I can start getting into work earlier so I can leave a little bit earlier and enjoy the daylight. But that hasn't really happened because I've been really busy with my projects. But it's it's a good busy too. Like I'm really enjoying it. That's good. So yeah, things are overall going pretty well. I also went to Rome over the weekend, which was really nice. And I left my laptop at home, which is one of the few times that I do that when I go away. And it was so nice to just like 
quote unquote disconnect, I guess. So yeah, it was a super nice time. I'm planning on doing that this weekend, actually. Thursday night, Mark and I are heading to Spain for his company summer party. They're like flying everyone over to Malaga and we're going to be staying in some glamping tents, I think. And there's a pool at this like finca we're staying near. So yeah, I'm going to use that as a disconnect time as well because I... <laughs> there's just a lot on and I feel like I need this break. It'll be good for me. Yeah. Tell us about your last few weeks. You've been in the US, you spoke at a conference, like you've had a crazy past few weeks. Tell us more about it. Two conferences actually, uh, just, you know, to be fancy. <laughs> I, I, the past three weeks I was in three different cities. Um, I was in LA and Anaheim for VidCon, which where I spoke on a panel and got to hang out with a bunch of really cool people. That was that was a great trip. Uh, then the week after I was in Boise in Idaho for the Craft and Commerce, which is ConvertKit's conference. And at it, we announced that ConvertKit is now called Seba. So we changed our name. And obviously that's something I've been working on behind the scenes for the past few months and something that I will be working on for like the next wee while to get everything all transitioned over to the new brand name. So when you mentioned that you were hoping work would slow down in the summer months, I was like, yeah, same. And then we rebranded our company. (laughs) Yeah, that's like the opposite of slowing down. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, And then the week after Boise, uh, where I spoke at Craft and Commerce, I spent it in New York, which is really cool. Well, I say cool. It was actually bloody hot, to be honest. (laughs) But it was a fun trip hanging out with people. um, Yeah, filmed some videos. It was really good, but I am very tired now, of course, as one expects after getting back from a long trip. Yeah. And how, how was your conferences? Like, was it good? Did you have a good time? What was the response to your talk? How did that go? The response to my talk at Craft and Commerce was incredible. Like, I yeah, wasn't expecting it to be that positive. I was confident in myself and I felt like, yeah, this is a good talk, you know. But the way people came up to me afterwards and was like, this like genuinely like and I've seen people posting on Instagram that my talk has like made them kickstart their YouTube journey and so yeah that's just incredible and there was one particular part of my talk where I worked I worked with a speaker coach I think I mentioned that on a past episode and I wasn't really sure how to end it and he gave me this advice to end it he was like all right I don't think that there's going to be 300 new YouTube channels starting tomorrow that's okay YouTube isn't for everyone but right now I want to talk to the person who's been sitting on the sidelines watching YouTube and like feeling that they should be doing it that sort of thing like really just like actively calling out the person who my talk is for basically and so many people at the end were like oh my gosh when you said that you were talking to me and I was like wow cool that works Thanks. thanks Mike the speaker coach that's cool it was amazing and Uh, Honestly, I mean, I know I'm biased because I work for the company that puts it on, but I just think that it was the best conference for people who make stuff online. Like, basically all of us have been to a lot of conferences, right? And so this conference is our chance to fix all the things we think are wrong with other conferences and just make it really great. Like, so much work was put into networking and, like, helping people connect with each other. Like, beforehand, if people wanted to, we matched them up with, like, a conference buddy. We looked at everyone's websites who wanted to take part in it and specifically picked out another person. Like it wasn't like an algorithm or anything did it. It was it was us choosing to connect them. And yeah, lots of really great content, really useful short main stage talks, which are good, I think. It was, yeah, it was just really good. And I really want you to come next year, FM. I think it'd be fun for us to be there together. Yeah, I'd love to. That would be so cool. Is there a video of your talk that people can go and watch it? 
Not yet, but there will be in the next few months once our video team gets through editing them all. Okay, awesome. And are you back in London for good for a little while? Or (laughs) I feel like you always have something next coming. Well, there is this trip to Spain on Thursday. That's just for a weekend, though. Then I'm back. uh, Like, I'm here in London for a little over a month before another week in Idaho for a company retreat. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So here for a while. Don't worry. Okay. You won't lose me. I was getting (laughs) getting worried. (laughs) Shall we move into today's topic? Yeah. Thank you for sticking with us through that long catch up. It's been a while. (laughs) Yeah. Fam and I needed to catch up just as friends as well. Yeah. (laughs) So A-B testing. Is this something that you've done much before, Fem? I haven't done much A-B testing in like my design work. Mm-hmm. I've done a little bit of A-B testing, like when I send out emails uh, to my newsletter list, you know, A-B testing subject lines and things like that. But in terms of A-B testing design and, you know, on marketing sites and in the product and things like that, I haven't personally participated in this. We do uh, at, at Uber, we obviously we have data scientists that like totally own this area and run experiments and control groups and things like that. I haven't yet been involved in that part of a project yet, but I probably will be towards the end of this year. So I'm actually sort of in the stage now where I haven't dabbled much in it, but I I know that I will have to soon. So I'm kind of curious and interested about this topic and keen to hear from you, actually, because I'm pretty sure you've done quite a bit of A-B testing. Is that right? I don't know if I'd say quite a bit. Like, it's not like it's a specialty of mine, but I've definitely dabbled in it uh, throughout my career. And the fact that you've done it with email testing, uh, email subject lines, I mean, means that you know the basic concept of it, right? Which is that you have your current thing or like the main thing, and then you're wanting to test a different version of it to see if it perhaps it performs better. And so you run like a split of traffic to each one and emails that like sends the traffic, uh, sends that email subject line to half the audience or whatever. And then you see what performs better and you can learn from it. Uh, yeah, and it's the same with designs, is that you have two different hypotheses of like what could be the good design solution to this problem. You run traffic half to each and look at the results from there. So from that, the main thing that you have to know with A-B testing is what result you're hoping for. Like, are you hoping this will increase conversions? Are you hoping this will increase people watching the video? Just like with an email subject line, right? You're hoping this will increase the opens to the email. So some kind of hypothesis or something. Yeah, yeah. You have to have that hypothesis and that metric in mind so that you know what to look for in the test results, basically. Um, and there might be things in it that surprise you, but yeah, you have to you have to design with that point in mind. You're not just designing two wildly different versions for no reason, you know? I don't think there's any point in testing for doing that. For example, at the moment, I'm working on building out a test for the new Sever homepage where we've got like, we know the basic amount of like information people need to know. We didn't know they need to know about our features. We know they want to know from our customers, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So I know the building blocks of what needs to go in it. But there's many different ways, of course, right? You could talk about the features of a product on a homepage. And so we are testing our current homepage, which is basically just a header and two links that like, you know, drives you elsewhere on the site. We're just doing an ABC test. So it's three different versions. It's that compared with two different designs of like the more information page uh, in, in two different 
yeah, methods of delivering the information essentially. So we're going to run this thing, send a third of the traffic to each, and see which one increases trial signups is, is the idea. Okay, and I have so many questions. Okay, go for it. Dive in. How long are you planning to run the test for? Like, do you go in with a fixed amount of time? Like, say up front, okay, we're going to run this for two weeks, look at the results and make a decision? Or because I feel like you can just keep running a test forever. And like, I guess at some point you need to make a decision, right? Yeah. So I don't run the test myself. We have a wonderful data analyst who runs the tests. And there is a thing called statistical significance. And I don't know exactly what the number is, but you do need a lot of traffic for results of a test to like actually mean something. You know, if you only test it with 100 people, like 100 visits to the site, you can get an idea, but it's not going to be a whole lot, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't know the exact number, but I'm pretty sure it's in like the thousands of visits you need to get to the site before you can have statistical significance. We had a question in the community actually about A-B testing tools and the tool that we use at Sever for testing is Google Optimize. So basically, uh, and I've been able to jump in and like help set up tests myself, uh, not myself, I mean, alongside Aaron, our data analyst, because basically you edit the code in Google Optimize to tell it what to test essentially, if that makes sense. Um, so for example, we ran a test where we tried to change all of our buttons that we are signing up for a trial to be green. And so we went through and like added the classes or whatever to the buttons in Google Optimize. So then Google Optimize serves that code to half the traffic. It's a pretty smart tool because it tells you, I think, when you reach statistical significance, when it's like, okay, we've had like enough visits now, you can probably start to consider this data. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. We have like similar sometimes when when we run surveys, so when we're doing research, and like sometimes we get very low responses and sometimes we get like obviously lots of responses and our researcher always reminds us like if it's a very low response rate to like keep in mind like you know that this kind of gives you an idea but it's not like totally reliable data to sort of start making big decisions on so kind of similar there it makes sense that obviously you know there's a limit or an amount that you have to reach before it really means anything right yeah for sure um, another question I have is how do you decide who gets what test? Like who gets test A, who gets test B, or is that totally randomized? It's totally randomized. Yeah. It's up to the tool, um, to split the traffic. It just, it makes sure that there's 50% of the traffic is going to each sort of thing. You know, it, it always ends up like maybe not exactly 50%, but that's what the tool aims for essentially. Uh, so it's it's random. There's no like bias or human bias involved in who gets served what. And do you always have a version that's like the current version that's basically unchanged that you're testing against or are all the versions you're testing new things? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. And that's actually the reason why we're doing an ABC test for this homepage one that I was talking about, because I do have two different new designs that we're hypothesizing could be could work and we want to see like which one performs best but to truly be a fair test you have to have like a, a standard variable is that the word I don't know I'm trying to talk science here. <laughs> but something has to not change right that's like your baseline so our baseline is the current homepage we know how it's been performing because we've been like had it as our homepage for the past however many months right so we've got the data there 
So you keep that in the test so that you can see how that one performs against the new things. Because also, you might find out that the the current existing one is actually better than the new things that you have. And you can't know that for sure unless the current existing one is part of the test. So yeah, ABC means that we will keep that old homepage along with the two new ones and not just test the two new ones. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think we do something similar at Uber where we have what we call a control group. Yes, that is the word for it. That is the smart science word. I wasn't sure if that was just like an internal word that we used. No, no, no. That's definitely it. Okay. So, yeah, I've heard of this before where you have a control group, which is basically like the existing experience or whatever, like unchanged. And you can measure against that to see what the results are. Yes, exactly. And I think that's really good because it keeps your ego in check as well. Because like... I'm sitting here thinking, obviously, these two new homepages I've designed are better, right? I've put all this time and effort into them. They've had all this design consideration. So obviously, this is this is what's going to win the test is one of these two things. And so it's really important to keep the control in there because you might be wrong, you know? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I'm wrong and I need to admit that. And so that's what I like about A-B testing in general is that you get to check your reasoning and your hypothesis with data and see what actually works yeah so big question for you because i i'm i think that there'll be some people listening to this having the same question which is how do you justify or convince those in your organization that a b testing is worth investing time into because obviously it takes some time to set up or think about the tests and do the hypothesis and the analysis and things like that and so how how do you convince them that this is something totally worth doing and important and we should invest our time and resources in so i think that it's the concept that the greater the risk the greater the reward you know but when you're risking making a change to a site that's getting like thousands of visitors like you know thousands of people signing up each month or something making a change that could mean that you know that drops by 20 percent is scary and it could have a huge impact on the business and so with a b testing you're only like testing this hypothesis with a small amount of traffic so you're not just serving it up to everyone and hoping for the best you're being very purposeful about how you're testing this new idea this new thing that could potentially do really well or could potentially perform really poorly right because there's this bit of a risk involved and so by testing, you can be sure that it's the right choice and then move forward and implement it and serve it up to everyone. And it'll have less impact on the business and you can be more sure of your decisions. Uh, And also you can learn from every test that you make and apply it to future things. So for example, and it sounds really obvious, but I'm going to say the results of this test anyway, we ran a test about standardizing the call to action colors across our site. So like I said before, every place that you're signing up for a trial was green. Every secondary call to action was blue or something like that. And whether that was watch a video or visit the features page or whatever, whatever the next thing is, like less important thing we wanted someone to do. And I think I would say that I was skeptical of how much that mattered. Like I was thinking of the buttons in their place like, oh, this button is on a blue background, so it should be white so that it stands out the most or whatever. But we went ahead, made them all green for the test, and it really did work. And so that was really good because I learned and like could see in data the importance of that and how much 
it actually helped to have everything standardized across the whole site rather than just across one page. And again, like I said, it sounds obvious, but I needed to see it in data before I could fully understand the impact of that. Um, and I went off on a total tangent there, but basically to say that that change helped increase our conversion rate. It could very easily have not as well. Like I said, green buttons on blue might not have stood out as much. And so it could have dropped things the other way. So by testing it, we were able to learn that it was the right choice before we went ahead and implemented it for everybody. And I think that taking, like having those ideas and taking those risks is great if you can test it. Uh, and it'll eventually help your business grow more if you're putting the effort into testing these hypotheses. Yeah, it makes sense. Like if I, if let's say you don't do a test, right? And you go with your assumption and your gut feeling and you roll something out only to realize that, it's not working that well or it's failing or whatever. I mean, you can sort of look at that as an expensive mistake, right? Like you could have tested that earlier and, and noticed that earlier and made more informed decisions. And it might not even be easy to actually understand if it was a bad choice or whatever, because you're not comparing it to anything, right? You could just be sitting there thinking, oh, maybe it's just a bad month. You know, maybe, maybe this is just happening this month. Uh, without knowing that if you'd left it the same, actually things would be performing just as well, if not better than usual. Yeah, that is interesting. I also, I came across a article on Medium from Basecamp and I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, but essentially they're talking about how they like, you know, screwed up basically by not running A-B tests and the, the gist of it basically is that when they were rebranding from signal versus noise to base camp, they, you know, obviously changed the marketing side and whatever, whatever. And they removed the sign up registration from their landing page and they didn't test it. They didn't have much time. They didn't think much of it. And then they came to realize that like their signups really started dropping and they weren't getting as many signups to the product. And, you know, they kind of uh, look back and and realize that, you know, maybe that's something we should have A-B tested before just yanking it off the off the homepage. So, yeah, I guess it can be an expensive mistake, right? Like it's worth putting in the extra time and investment to test it up front before making that decision based only on assumption. Yeah. And again, with this one, like when I was saying about the standardized colors of call to action buttons, taking the sign up page off the homepage you would think, duh, of course it's going to drop in people signing up. But that's the thing is that we get so bogged down in the details of our designs and, you know, going off on this one trail that it can be really hard to be super objective like that. So that's why I really appreciate testing and also working with someone who comes up with hypotheses as well. So Erin will, you know, do a bunch of research and say, hey, based on this, I think we should add this to our blog. For example, we added like a progress bar to our blog uh, so that as people were scrolling they could see the progress how long left yeah. yeah yeah how long left essentially which I was like but there's a scroll bar there so they don't need this but hey it kept people scrolling for longer and so there you go that checked checked my assumptions and was a really good good thing to test I just think that we can all learn a lot from A-B testing because you never quite know as smart as we are as designers and as you know much experience as we have you never quite know what people are going to do with your designs. And you know this from user testing and A-B testing is kind of like hands off user testing in a way in that you never speak to the person, you never know who they are, but you see the results in what they got served, like which, which test they got, test version they got. 
Yeah, super interesting. Do you have any examples, like you shared earlier about the green button and you shared now about the progress of blog posts. Do you have an example of an A-B test you ran that like failed, I guess? Like maybe you created a design or experiment that you thought was going to succeed and you thought that that was going to be a better experience, but it actually turned out that the original one sort of trumped it? So it wasn't technically a design change, but an information change in that at the bottom of our blog posts, like the call to action before the footer led people to request a demo, right? So fill out a form and if they've got over a certain amount of subscribers on the email list, then they would be talking to someone on our team and getting a demo. We changed that to link to signing up for a free trial. So like removing that step and just like getting people into the product, we thought this would increase conversions. People would be more interested in a trial than a demo. And it turned out that not that many people actually scroll far enough down the page to even see our call to action. And so it was kind of like a thing that wasn't worth worrying about that much. You know, I think the difference in clicks to each was like 11. I think literally Aaron said. In total. (laughs) Yeah, in total. So that's not really a test that performed very well or like gave us a very clear answer, you know? Yeah, super interesting. I guess, I mean, this is another reason, a good reason to test, right? Is like you have this assumption of, oh, well, maybe if we change this to, you know, be a call to action to sign up for trial, like we'll get more signups to trial. uh, And you don't really know until you try it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think is really fun. And I feel like it's made me a smarter designer to have these, like, yeah, have these tests running and be learning from. And like I said, just cut me down a peg sometimes too when I think something won't have an impact and then it does or the other way around. I think it's it's all learning, right? It's learning from your own designs. We had a couple questions from Lorena from the community and I'm, I'm going to sort of roll them into one. She asked a little bit about uh, metrics and traffic. So what base metrics should you look at prior to running a test and is there a specific amount of traffic you should have in order to run an A-B test? Any thoughts there? I know you talked earlier about like, you know, you want to have sort of in the thousands rather than in the hundreds for any other sort of numbers that you want to throw out there. I think her question about the base metrics is an interesting one because there should always be a reason that you're testing, right? Uh, Like I was saying at the top, you, you need to know what you're looking out for. Is it increasing clicks to this button? Is it increasing video views? Is it increasing time on site? You know, uh, just like a regular science experiment, you can't, test everything at once and like change everything at once. You have to have this controlled testing environment. And so you have to be very purposeful about what you're designing for. Um, We know that as designers, right? If you try to make it appeal to everyone and like if everything stands out, then nothing stands out. And it's the same with trying to change your tests. If you have a page and you want to try and increase time on site and increase buttons and increase video views at the same time, you're going to make a lot of changes and you won't really know what actually was the thing that worked. Yeah, it's too noisy. Too noisy and too many variables, which mean that you don't actually know if changing the play button to look like this increased video views or if it was the fact that you did this other thing that you designed actually to make people stay on the site longer. You know, there's there's a lot of variables going on there. Um, so base metrics, I would say, is really investigating how the current version of your thing is performing and understanding what people are doing on it and use that as the thing to inform what changes you should make. So, uh, for example, hmm, with the scrolling one, like the uh, progress bar, we saw that people weren't scrolling 
all the way through a blog post. And so the hypothesis was, let's add this progress bar and see how much further they scroll if they have it, you know. And that idea for that test came from looking at how the current blog post was performing. Right. Yeah, that makes sense, right? You need to have somewhere to start and you can't like create a hypothesis without knowing what the current base metric, I guess, is, right? So that totally makes sense. Uh, And do you have any recommendations for tools or resources, like people who want to get started A-B testing, but maybe just aren't really sure where to begin or how to actually get a test set up and running? I know that you have someone that helps you do all of that, but anything you can share? So I'm just actually looking up right now Google Optimize. I think that you can run certain amount or like type of tests for free possibly that seems to be the way google works right yeah um but i do know it's one of the best like value testing tools out there is google optimize i think another one that we have used i have no idea of the price or anything but it's called vwo i think the visual website optimizer might be what that stands for sounds legit (laughs) yeah yeah um so that's another one basically these tools add a piece of code to your site and it sort of runs by javascript that when you load the page right this thing fires And it talks to the testing tool and the testing tool says, okay, go in this bucket. And it serves you either the original or the version where you've changed the code slightly in the testing tool. Um, And it can also work by sending you to different URLs as well. So for example, with our homepage, when we run this test, if someone goes to sever.com, the testing tool will say, okay, uh, you're going to go in this bucket, which is slash V1, and you're going to go in this bucket called slash V2 or whatever, and direct you to the right place. Uh, so yeah, I'm sorry that answer wasn't very helpful. I don't know <laughs> many cheap or free A-B testing tools, but there is many tools out there. And honestly, I think that as a business, this is something worth investing in, and there should be something for every budget level. So step one is getting like your team on board right with the idea of A-B testing. Cool. Well, I feel like I've learned a lot in this and it's been really, really helpful. So thank you for sharing. Oh, good. I feel like I just talked at you for like half an hour. So I'm glad that you found it useful. <laughs> no, I definitely found it really useful and I hope that our, our listeners find it useful as well. Yeah. Even if you're not, I don't know. I just hope that this episode inspires designers to get started thinking about data in this way and like not being afraid of it. And yeah, realizing that it can actually make you a much better designer to be running these tests and and having this as an option yeah awesome well thank you so much for sharing i'm going to include in the show links a couple of articles as i've been doing a bit of research about this topic i've come across a few good articles one by netflix in particular who talks a bit about how they do a b testing oh my gosh and they do a lot of a b testing yeah super interesting so check out the show notes and we'll link a couple of interesting things there anything else you want to share charlie no, I don't think so. I'm excited for you to get like involved with the Uber team with this and then maybe you can we can do a V2 of this episode and you can report back on how things work there cuz I'm sure it's very different at a like however many thousand person company Uber has compared to my 37 person company. Honestly, I think we're really lucky to even have a data person at all on our team because when I worked at Zero we had a data person as well and that wasn't until we were a company of like, you know, close to a thousand people. So, yeah, I think it is rare and maybe as designers, we've got to step up and push for testing ourselves to make that happen. Well, then, where can people go to find more episodes of this podcast? 
you can go to designlife.fm or search for Design Life in your favorite podcasting app and we should be there. We should, yes. <laughs> We're currently working on our new website as well, Fem. Well, I say we. It's been Fem, and she's done an amazing job. So I'm really excited to get that launched, like closer maybe to the end of this month, start of next month. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Follow us on Twitter as well. We are at Design Life FM on there. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Are you a designer who's done A/B testing? Any insights to share, or like any any tips for getting your company on board with with having that happen? We'd love to hear them. All right. Until next week. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.